Hello and welcome to, you'll probably not agree, tentative title. I'm here with Leo Brady from amovieguy.com. And today we're talking about Star Wars Rogue One, actually reviewing it while playing Star Wars Rogue Leader, Rogue Squadron 2. Could they have given that like a more convoluted title? <laughs> a Star Wars story. A, a little bit longer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So in our review, I guess we'll uh, start off as I usually do. We'll start off with what you think and I'll start off with what I think. What did you think of Rogue One? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, it is definitely a new type of Star Wars movie, something that we really haven't seen before. Um, I, I felt like uh, director Gareth Edwards did a really good job of at least expanding on the universe. I mean, he's taking us sort of to planets that we haven't seen yet, yeah. but also at the same time uh, taking us back to you know sort of a, a place between the prequel and A New Hope. And I think he put together a pretty cool cast and made uh, it for, you know, a highly entertaining film, to say the least. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely a film that, uh, it, it was even faster paced than uh, uh, Force Awakens, you yeah. know? Like, 100%. Like, I think, like, there wasn't a, like, how many, the whole thing is just one big action scene. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I heard from some other uh, fellow film critics of mine about how they found it to be kind of boring in the in the second act, and I I, I did agree with some people about that yeah. a little bit, but I also think that uh, you know the the intro sequence and the end sequence. I mean, you know, from the first act and the third act, yeah, you're really you know getting nothing but fast paced moving action, and, yeah, and it's really sort of about these care these. It's about getting these group of characters together yeah to focus on a mission and when they do get together yeah i really think the movie starts to fly <laughs> and it's pretty yeah. it's pretty exciting to watch speaking of flying i'm flying in a death star and destroying <laughs> the towers right now i gotta destroy the towers but right, my thoughts on rogue one i thought it was a good film uh i actually was not coming in that excited because it was like a spinoff and now like star wars is gonna become like the new marvel yeah where there's gonna be a film every year yeah and that's sort of uh, like another word for special that fits in the sentence, but yeah. So it's sort of like how special Star Wars is. It's not going to be as special anymore because right. it's just something we're going to see every year. Right. So when like this was announced, I was like, oh yeah, what year week is it coming out again? Like I wasn't like crazy obsessed with it like I am with like every other Star Wars movie. You know, yeah. I mean, I've seen every single one on opening day. I think. I mean, outside of the one that came back out in 1977 and right through we all the original yeah yeah because it wasn't born yet yeah uh, but what i saw it is like i really liked how it was a star wars film that uh actually emphasized the war in star wars you know it wasn't just uh you know a casualty less war like the clone wars or like the battle of endor where you know the um uh, what are the teddy bears' names again? Ewoks. The, yeah, the yeah. Ewoks were dying. Right. Like, where you didn't really care, and I just died. Yeah. But you see, it's just like that, like a video game. Like, you die, you don't really care. Well, I do <laughs> if I'm dying. But, yeah. like, some NPCs <laughs> dying, I don't really care. <laughs> right. But, like, yeah, it actually, like, I'm not really giving anything away, but it gives you a sense of loss and a sense of desperation, you know, in the actual war, you know, between the rebels and the Empire. And I thought that was a really interesting kind of different direction that Gareth Edwards took. Uh, you know, Gareth Edwards known for Godzilla and monsters. monsters and yeah. I was like concerned when I heard he was going to be a director because I didn't really like Godzilla that much. Yeah. Like because the, the trailer was so promising. They were playing Ligeti where everybody was like jumping out of the plane. And you're like, oh, wow, this is going to be like intense and right. scary. And it's going to be a lot like the original Godzilla, which was actually like kind of a very deep film in a lot of ways about nuclear war and all that. Right. And then it just turned out to be a dumb monster movie. And then like 90% of the picture focused on Aaron Taylor Johnson's character, who was completely uninteresting. And they killed off Brian Cranston's character. Yeah, it seems to be sort of a little bit of a trait with his last two films even when you, when you think about it that way where, you know, because that's been a lot of the major complaints that people have had about Rogue One has been character flaws and, yeah. and character development and a lot of people felt like these characters were undercooked in a lot of ways but I think like when you see the entire you know I don't want to give too much away but when you see the, the entire final product yeah I think you understand why some of them are undercooked yeah <laughs> and I think that's sort of 
all germane to the story. Right. Well, I mean, the thing is, I do agree that I thought that one problem I had with Rogue One was I didn't think the uh, protagonist, Jin Orso, yeah. and uh, the other guy played by Diego something. Who was yeah, the other guy? Diego who was Luno, Caspian, Endor, or whatever his name yeah, is. Yeah, like, I didn't think they were very dynamic characters. I thought they were kind of bland and... You know, they like I I was kind of interested in them. Like it had nothing to do with the performance. Their performances are actually really good, and yeah. I was relieved because I remember I saw the trailer and I was like cringing a couple times when she's like, "This is a rebellion, right? I rebel," <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. And then like you know, Forrest Whitaker did sound kind of goofy in the film. Like he had some semi-Jamaican accent. Yeah, he, you know. Yeah, his. I mean, hello, child. <laughs> I haven't seen you in so long. <laughs> Yeah, he's 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 suffering from COPD. He's got like some form of respiratory yeah. issue going, um, which somehow makes him Jamaican. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm just racist. No, but <laughs> no, I, I, I think like I I think like some of these characters, you know, I think you're supposed to sort of view them all as sort of you know everybody keeps using the term ragtag group. Yeah, you know, there there are people who are very lost out in the universe in a post sort of broken republic yeah. world. That was one thing I loved about yeah. uh, episode three, I will say. Like when, you know, Natalie Portman says, so this is how Liberty dies by thunderous applause is actually like a reflection of George W. Bush at the time. And, right. You know, uh, kind of, we're living in that now. Right, right. <laughs> well, and it's kind and, of an interesting sort of, you know, addition to that universe in terms of just like, creating a collection of characters and and people you know that yeah. aren't usually represented in the universe yeah right? yeah I mean, it's sort of a it's sort of a taking it back to the old star wars films and making it right yeah, god damn it <laughs> fuck <laughs> there goes your ship um but yeah it sort of the goes empire back. wins yeah the empire wins again um but it, yeah it goes back to sort of the older star wars films and it sort of makes it in a lot of ways right you know yeah taking Making a female actress the lead. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got like a Latino, you've got an Asian, you got two Asian yeah. characters. It feels weird though that Star Wars is a universe where it's like about diversity so much. Right. Like, you know, you have a world full of like aliens and stuff, but you're worried that there's not a lot of black guys in the film or something. Like, yeah. Like it's it feel. I mean, I kind of get it because Lando was kind of like a backstabber in the film, and right. well, they cast Samuel L. Jackson as. Uh, no. Mace Windu, which was kind of an odd choice because he's a guy who yells motherfucker a lot. And then, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, he's he's the wise Jedi. Like, he... you couldn't have gotten, like, Morgan Freeman. <laughs> right, right. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think sort of this movie does a pretty good job of, of having that inclusion, but also at the same time um, expanding the universe from what we haven't seen before. Yeah. You know, we saw some, like, some different creatures some different things that we didn't even know about yeah and i think that's sort of you know the stuff that we as fans wanted we do want to see yeah um i think we can talk about fan service a little bit later but yeah. which i know is a big problem for a lot of people but but like you said when it gets into those set pieces of like war when they're fighting on the beach, there's a sequence where they're fighting on the beach. With, yeah, you know, you know. it's like semi-private Ryan in Star Wars, except yeah. you're not gonna see like a stormtrooper with his guts hanging out, going "Mama, <laughs> right. Mama," you know, right. like you're not gonna see that. But. No, but but and then you've got like that intro. I mean, I love the intro part. I don't know how you felt about. Okay, that. yeah. So we yeah. should get into yeah, that. We should talk about that. So this is uh this is the first Star Wars film that doesn't have an opening crawl. Actually, yeah. yeah. It's um yeah. It just says long time ago in a galaxy far far away and bang just smash cuts yeah to like uh, uh an exterior of the sky and i thought that was a great decision I did you know too. like some people don't dig it uh some people are like no 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 no. there are rules we have an opening scroll and i totally respect that like okay absolutely but at the same time uh i was also just thinking yeah but you know this isn't an episodic uh sequel you know this isn't a direct sequel so to kind of like have it with the title like it was like a Star Wars video game like this one where it says Rogue Squadron in the beginning. Yeah, it's kind of like it would be kind of like mm, I don't think that's necessary that way. Like in the future when they have all these other spinoffs come out, you know, and it just says long time ago in a galaxy far, far away and it cuts to, you know, the movie itself. You know, you'll know that it's oh 
God, I don't want to say a Star Wars story, but right. <laughs> it's a spinoff, you know. Yeah. Well, and it, and it, and what they're doing is, in a lot of ways, they're just filling in the gaps. Yeah. Right. I mean, you can tell they're just trying to fill in the gaps of stories that we already know about, and that we never got an exact picture of. So you know, it seems like they're they're doing this, and then they're gonna do Han Solo after Episode uh, Eight, yeah. which seems to be their move, and then. And then I could already imagine what the trailer episode be. nine, and then after that, I'm already predicting possibly like a Princess Leia movie, a young Princess Leia movie, or things along that uh, line. They'll, they'll, yeah, they'll they'll milk this yeah. cow to the end. Which which is like, I think after episode nine will probably be the point where critics like myself and and fans like you, Mike, I think we'll, yeah. we'll hit a wall and start to say, like you said, this is kind of become the marvel universe yeah we've seen these already yeah like right now it's still kind of exciting but even like when they were announcing this film i'm just kind of like i don't know we've we've already you know we have all these sequels like i guess i mean it helps fill the void for when you're waiting two years for the next episode but it's like i know one of my friends who's a critic he uh wasn't like he, he told me like before he saw the film he wasn't too thrilled with it he thought it was like episode 3.5. Yeah. You know, and it was uh, essentially like inferior to episode three. Yeah. Which I don't agree with because, you know, either. dialogue and acting is something that I don't know why so many people like give that a pass. Like, well, the dialogue and acting isn't that good, but, you know, it's still a pretty engaging film. Like, you can't say but. Like, no, if I can't believe a word the actors are saying, you know, then why the hell would I be in the film? And a lot of people. I have to give Hayden Christensen shit because, uh, you know what? Ewan McGregor had nothing to work with. Natalie Portman had nothing to work with. Ian McDermott had something to work with, luckily. Because right. he just had to play, like, a two-dimensional bad guy. Yeah. But, like, essentially they still uh, made their performances work to a certain extent. It's like everybody in those prequels were, like, they were uh, pretty, like, decent at their performances some of them were terrible, but it was always the main lead, Anakin Skywalker, who was the worst. Right. And I bring this up because, like, in this film, at least um, at least with Felicity Jones as Jin Orso, you know, you believe what she's going through. Right. You know, you, you believe what she's saying. You believe uh, what the supporting characters are saying. Uh, I can't remember his name. Diego. Diego Luna. Diego Luna. Yeah. You, uh, yeah, you actually, like, you, you could believe what he's saying. He's not, he doesn't come off like he's faking being a tough guy or anything. No, and I, and, you know? and I think you sort of touched on that a little bit uh, about the dialogue. I think, yeah, it's you still know, good. It's, it's outside still, of, like, some lines, like, yeah, there's some know, witty. I hope you don't choke on your own words. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, there's some bad, yeah, there's some bad puns that you're just like, that's, that doesn't, really seem to fit in the yeah, Star Wars Darth Vader world. doesn't say puns. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't. And but we'll get into Darth Vader in a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But I, but yeah, going back to that, I, I, you know, there have been a lot of people who have been saying that episode 3 is better than Rogue One, which I really do disagree. I mean, yeah. if you go back and watch those prequels, the dialogue is atrocious. It's like, there's, like, no way around it. You Every do. time someone opens up their mouth. Yeah, there's just things that... And there's things said, and there's, like, plot points, you know, inserted into the Star Wars history that you're just like, that doesn't make sense. And or I, it doesn't matter. Like, why do I care about General Grievous or, right. like, any of this stuff? It just seemed like George Lucas wrote himself into the hole right. when he had to include the Star Wars... The Clone Wars because it was mentioned... And here it's like there's a reason. We know I mean the one thing I'll say that's kind of really flawed about the Death Star, no pun intended, yeah. uh, is that uh, you know, I don't get why it was such a big deal to find out how they got the plans of this one when they had like two other Death Stars after this. Right. You know. Uh, maybe yeah. because they just knew from uh, Mad Mickelson Mads Mickelson's character like how to actually design the thing. Right. You know. So right. maybe it kind of gave him the layout of how to do it. Yeah. And maybe that's why it was a big deal because it was the first one. Because I always wondered, like, why does it take, like, they, they were building it up since the prequels. Like, why did it take, like, 30 years to make the first Death Star? And then it took, like, a weekend to make the second one. Right. You know, that's, like, something that doesn't make sense. At least I find out how Darth Vader goes to the bathroom now. Yes. Because George Lucas would never answer my emails on that. <laughs> right. Well... Again, so like going back to the beginning of the film, so 
there you know it starts out with sort of Jin's uh, rise and how she sort of basically was becomes uh, well I don't want to spoil it too much but she be, she ends up being out on her own in yeah. a lot of ways um, but I felt like Gareth Edwards he like he films this opening sequence with her father being taken by the em- people of the empire I mean yeah. he filmed it, it 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 looks like almost like apocalypse now it looks like kind of like he's you know creating this world of like soldiers yeah you know entering into a home and yeah and sort of it was very much like a real war when someone invades your own privacy right and takes you away from your own place the only thing i felt was wrong with that scene was like it, it was well shot yeah you know but like the music yeah. Mixed with the pacing. And I love Michael. How do you say his name? Gucciano? Because John Williams didn't do the score. Yeah, but. yeah. I think it's Gucciano. Yeah. Like, he, I love his scores, uh, especially, like, I was a big fan of his before. Like, he even did big Hollywood scores when he was doing the score to the Medal of Honor series. Like, I don't know if you know his scores. No, I never heard of them. Oh, you got to hear those. They're gorgeous. Like, yeah. Medal of Honor, Medal of Honor Underground, okay. Medal of Honor Frontline. Yeah. Like, he did the scores to those, and they're just fantastic. Like, what I heard of him immediately, he reminded me of George. George Lucas. Yeah. I mean, not George Lucas. Uh, John, John Williams, Williams at yeah. the time. Yeah. And uh, Michael uh, Giacchino. 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 Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I'm sorry, Michael Giacchino. Yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to make fun of Italians. Or yeah, anything, right. You know? <laughs> but, like, yeah, but I felt like his music in that scene was a little too click tracky. Yeah. A little too Mickey Mousey instead of emotional when this, like, really sad thing is happening. Right. And that was kind of the same thing Garrett Edwards did with Godzilla, where the music was saying, here's a big, bad monster, boom, 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 put in heavy travel. Yeah. You know, like, it was just kind of going, like, step by step. With its sounds. Oh, do you want to try this? Yes. <laughs> Let's see, Leo, try to do some Rogue... Rogue One. Rogue Squadron gameplay. Okay, so uh, R2 is your accelerate. L2 is to break. A is to fire your uh, weapons. Okay. And... Oh, God, you're going to go... You're gonna, don't crash. <laughs> yeah, all right. And then uh, you want to hold Y. And if you hold Y, that'll show you your targeting computer. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, while while uh, he's going, uh, while while Leo's trying to figure out the controls, uh, what I was gonna say is that uh, you know, with with uh, Gareth Edwards' sort of click tracky music, yeah, like it felt a little bit like, you know, like it, it was taking me out of the moment of many scenes where I should have been feeling much more emotional. Yeah, and like. It's, you know, just like, you know, the, 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 I don't want to give too much away, but like some sad things happen in the beginning, you know? And then here's one thing that really irked me, though, is like when they actually show the title of the film, it was like after this tragic event happens, and then it comes out with this big title saying, like, Rogue One! And it had like this knockoffish yeah, sort of Star was... Wars music with it, like, and it's just like, what the hell? Like, is this like a TV parody? Yeah. It was what weird. is this? Yeah, I mean, I, and I think like they didn't. Uh, it it looked just confusing ultimately. Yeah. It seemed like they didn't really know what they wanted to do for that opening sequence because they were taking the crawls yeah. away. And uh, yeah, it kind of was off-putting after after what <laughs> I thought was a pretty good intro sequence. Yeah. Oh, you gotta break your ship and hold. Uh, you see where Y is? This is the button at the top. Yes. Yeah, hold that. There you go. Now you can see that in green, that's what you want to shoot. Yeah, and then, like, the other trigger to your left side will make you break, so then you have more time to shoot them down. But, yeah, it felt yeah, it, it felt like they didn't know what to do with that. Like, they knew what to do, like, how to start off the film without an opening uh, title sequence. But then, like, when they actually give you the title, it came at, like, the most inappropriate time because Jin was, like, hiding out for, like, 15 years or so. Yeah. Which I didn't even get that sense of time. So that was sort of a pacing issue. And then they just cut to, like, the, the silliest opening title ever. I was just rolling my eyes, like, ah. Yeah. And then some of the pacing, I would say, like, in the beginning. And, yeah, even in the middle, like, was kind of turning me off because I'm just, like, Oh man, like, like I they just keep flashing up these names of these planets every time they cut to them, and I'm like, we don't really need a title card for the planet, you know? It's yes. Star Wars. They've never had to do that. I, I I agree with that. I think well, I think there was some th- 
things like that, I, I think most fans almost shouldn't care that much about it it's like yeah. like you're saying like when we're seeing all these titles of these planets it's like well we don't really need to worry about that yeah you know like we just care about the mission yeah <laughs> yeah and that was the thing like the first half like i i don't know if i was particularly invested in what they were doing because i just thought you know well you know we all know what's going to happen in the end we all know they get the plans to the death star yeah but you know, like outside of that, like I didn't really care. Uh oh. Did we die? Yeah, we died. <laughs> Hoff's, Hoff's exploding. <laughs> no. Hoff's being taken over. Oh, mission fail. Yep. I'm replaying the mission. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You gotta slow down and shoot them. So then you get plenty of shots in. <laughs> you like kamikaze one of them too. Hey, <laughs> gotta do what I have to do to yeah. get the job done. Yeah, but yeah, the, uh, yeah, but I felt like the beginning slash middle was kind of slow, but then like it picked up a lot in the end because the third half of that movie was fucking sweet. Yes, like oh my god, like I haven't seen a great Star Wars space battle since Return of the Jedi. And that gave us that. Yeah, it did. And it was, yeah, it was fucking intense. It was like, it was like the Endor fight without the Ewoks, you right. know? Yeah. I and mean, with it, real casualties and stakes and that's like, you don't. blowing stuff up. Yeah. And the great thing with this movie is, is that we don't know whether these characters are going to live or if they're going to die. Right. You know? And, uh, I, I can't go further uh, <laughs> into that other than that, but. That, that, that was the great thing about it. Like, this is... Oh, don't worry about the AT-ATs just yet. Just the ATSTs. Yeah. We gotta turn back around, then. There you go. There you go. Yeah, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. Oh, you're missing, you're missing. Oh, look, 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 look. Oh. All right. I'm really bad. That's <laughs> all right. I haven't played video games in, you know, no, that's know okay. five years. It, it, that's good. I wish I didn't. <laughs> um, it wastes yeah. so much of my life. But, yeah, like, yeah, I mean, but it throw, to, through the middle act, though, I thought it did start to pick up, though. Yeah. Like, when once they, uh, like, after they met Forrest Whitaker and all that stuff happened, yeah, like, and you start they, to get excited. Yeah, I mean, and it, it kind of, like, reaches this sort of, like, common goal you know like every character bonds together and sort of mm -hmm. they all understand like what they have to achieve yeah and i think like that sort of theme was like at least something that we could grasp onto and sort of have fun watching them all try to achieve it together which is like very rare i feel like for some of these star wars movies cause yeah it's like usually we're focused in on like central characters whereas opposed to here we're focusing just on the the goal at hand yeah and that's sort of like at least, you know, entertaining for the time being and something new, like you talked about. It's really not your typical Star Wars film. I mean, this is like, I think this is the first movie outside of Darth Vader, obviously. Yeah. Which we'll talk about him later. Um, but it's the first movie where none of our characters that, like, we're watching have the Jedi power, you know? Like, yeah. Like, the, the existence of Jedis is gone. Yeah, it's it's more like there's a man who believes in Jedi's. He he was blind and he always says this prayer, which is "I am with the Force, the Force is with me. I am with the Force, the Force is with me." You know, which is like their kind of version of God, I guess. Well, at least you got one. <laughs> you got something done. Yeah. I'm not good at this. Here, I can try. It. All right, but anyways, like the nice thing is, is yeah, yeah, this wasn't a movie that had to rely on lightsabers and Force powers. You know, to, to hold your attention. Yeah. This was a war movie about getting a mission accomplished. And, you know, it had, the, you know, the, the main thing that was cooler than the main characters were the side characters. Yeah, let's the talk about... The supporting characters were fucking awesome. Yeah, they were. And let's talk about our, our resident droid, K2SO. Yes. Voiced by Alan Tudyk. And a lot of people have said that... One of the major problems with this movie is that the droid steals the show, which he kind of does. Yeah, but I was okay with that. I don't think that was a problem with the movie. Right. Like, he was great. You know, he was, he was like, C-3PO if he was a badass killing machine yeah. and didn't have horrible anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's like a droid bodyguard, Yeah, to he, say the least. He's an Imperial droid that they reprogram. Yeah. And... 
he, he it's like he provides great one-liners and he, he just like takes no bullshit from everyone and he had like more personality than like some of the human characters yeah he did in the film you know which was kind of uh interesting in its own right um but i really liked him i thought um uh the the main antagonist in the film what was his name oh um Ben Mendelsohn's character. Yes. Um, also, who was in The Dark Knight yes. Rises. Yes. And uh, he was Commander also in Orson, Place Beyond the Pines. Yeah, Commander Orson Krennic is yeah. his name. Like, he was a good snarling, ah, I'm, a, I'm a semi-Nazi, yeah. you know, kind of bad guy. Yeah, and he kind of, like, continues with what um, uh, Domino Gleason did in The Force Awakens. He kind of like his, but much better. But much better. <laughs> yeah, but much better. And at least uh, somebody with, who's a little bit more power hungry. And th- I, I, I found this. I found Rogue One to do a good job of like showing what people's jobs were. Yeah. In the Empire, like where their rankings mattered and why they wanted to like impress Darth Vader and the Emperor and yeah do, do their job because they knew it like equaled you know job raises or or, <laughs> or new positions eventually down the line for them. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I really liked about uh, Ben Mendelsohn's, right? Yep, Mikkelsen? Ben Mendelsohn, yep. Yeah, okay. That's what I really liked about his character was that although he was a bad guy and a Nazi and all that, there was a certain depth to him that his performance provided where, like, in a way, you kind of, like, understood, like, that he had to do his job right. as evil as he was while well, he was a Nazi. Right. I'm not saying Nazis had to do their job. You right. know, right. but uh, but it does sort of he was vulnerable like, yeah. at the time. Like he was always afraid. And like I, I love that scene when he's out on the bridge and like everything's just blowing up and he just looks at them and he's like, What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and like it's all going to shit! And, like, he doesn't say that, obviously. You can't say, what the fuck, in Star Wars. Right. But he was saying, like, what are you doing? Like, everything is being destroyed. Get out there. Are you blind? I think that was the line that he used. <laughs> yeah. And, like, you know, one thing that I was very pleased with was, and let's finally talk about this, another supporting character, the big supporting character, was Darth Vader. Yeah. I thought he was only going to be in that one scene they showed in the trailers. Right. And that was going to be it. And then it was going to be like, well, okay, there's that plot line. You right, know? right. But uh, uh, he, he actually was fucking, he was in the coolest scene in the movie. Hands down. Oh, yeah. Like, I think we could talk about that. Like, yeah, there's a bunch of rebels. They have the plans and like the screen is completely black. And then like he ignites his red lightsaber and it's just him. And he just Fucks everybody up in that room. Yeah, and there, it was like something from a horror film, you know. Like he was like a big scary monster, and everyone's trying to get away from it. They're like, run, run, go! The guy's like getting in the in the cockpit. He's like crawling. Oh shit! Oh shit! You just see him like, uh, 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 like with everyone in there. Yeah. Oh, it was so cool. Yeah, it's it's hard not to ha- you know have a moment there where you're. You know, it's kind of the big whoa. Like, yeah. did that just happen? Yeah. Sequence of the movie. Yeah. And uh, when we do get it, it's just fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was just so cool. And it was like, you you could see why Darth Vader was It's like they made Darth Vader cool again. Right. Because after the prequels, they kind of made him into a dork. Yeah. You know? Uh, but now it's like, no, this is the Darth Vader that we love. Yeah. The guy who is just a killing machine. And is and is intimidating with his you know semi Kurosawa, uh, you know samurai helmets. Right. And I mean, yeah, and I think like like you like you just brought up with how it was, happened in the prequels. I think like you know Kathleen Kennedy and a lot of the you know the new Star Wars and Disney people. What they're doing is yeah. like they've had to repair a lot of damage. Yeah. Done by episodes you know one two and three. And and I still get like prequel lovers who are like fuck you they were good. Yeah I I just have it's a hard like, time uh, like you know outside of episode three which has which essentially has a great lightsaber battle between Obi-Wan yeah. and Anakin, right? Yeah. Like, that's, like, really the only thing that you can take from that because there's so many lines in Episode 3 that are just really fucking stupid and really don't, yeah. like, match up with 
any of the history or the lore or the like beliefs that people had yeah. from episodes four, five, and six, right? Yeah. That, like I feel like Kathleen Kennedy and I feel and even you know with Gareth Edwards and J.J. Abrams, like what they've really been doing is just resetting these movies in a lot of ways. Yeah. And and that's why when we see Darth Vader act like a total fucking badass, yeah, it's kind of. It feels really good to see that happen. And we finally see, like, uh, like his healing chamber where he's on Mustafar. And one thing I liked about this film is that it didn't totally shit on the prequels. Like, uh, Abrams' film kind of had to. Yeah. You know, but this one, like, there was actually prequel callbacks. We see some flashbacks with Mads Mikkelsen. Like, it was just a quick cutaway, but he's in Coruscant. You know, talking to some people as he's going over some Death Star plans. Right. You know, and uh, we also see Mustafar in the film, which is where Darth Vader's sort of uh, uh, isolation, sort of healing bath booth is. Yeah, and, see, yeah, that's like that's even deeper than I would even know. Yeah, like, I wouldn't even have noticed that. Oh yeah, that's a lava planet where they fight in the end, isn't oh, okay, it? Okay, yeah. Like that's what I was guessing it was. Yeah. You know, and. Uh, yeah, he's just—it's just so kind of ironic that he's getting healed, right, in the very place that caused him to be injured. Yeah, you know, I just thought that was kind of a nice little tag of of tragic irony, if you right, will. Right. You know, it you, gives some depth to his character without having to well, say anything. Well, and let's talk a little bit about like fan service. What did you think about like sort of like Easter eggs and things that they added into this movie? Yeah, I wonder. Are, are you a fan of it or are you against it? I thought some of it was a little silly, like yeah. uh, like the, when they cut to C three PO and R two D two, and yeah. they're inside the Yavin base. Yeah, I was just like, was that really necessary? Did, like that was just completely useless. I remember just shaking my head, like that that didn't need to be in there. Yeah, and then there was the other cameo with that guy yes. who has like that pig nose. I, yeah, I wanted to talk about this. The, yeah, the other guy with like the vagina lips mouth. Yes. You know, like who's you know, he's just like I have a Tuscan walrus looking guy. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. he said something like, I had the death sentence on twelve systems. Like right. he says that exact line in this movie. He like does? apparently he yeah. Oh, I don't even remember that. He like says that fucking same line to Jin and he's like threatening her or something. Yeah. Which like which didn't make sense because like and again, spoiler alert, but I they, think they like before like this they, they show this guy like, they're prepping to blow it up with the Death Star. That's what I was thinking. It's so like, like, wait, this place got blown up. Did he just, like, get out and ship and leave, leave right before that happened? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Which, again, like, makes me believe that a lot of the... I hope, like, I am hoping that th for this movie, for Rogue One, it's the last of, like, Star Wars fan service. No. Like, it's the last. <laughs> I, you don't think it will be? No. I, I like, I... I wrote on my uh, Facebook wall the other day. I just was like, "Help us, Ryan Johnson. You're our only hope." Yeah. For, for, for no fan service. Yeah. Because I just think like the more they do the fan service, yeah, the less original it feels. It's it's gonna yeah. The more they do it, the uh, less original it's gonna be. They even say they have a I have a bad feeling about this scene. Yeah. And you know it's gonna it's gonna run real dry real soon. And this is something I was saying on the last episode of the podcast where I said that uh, what the uh, Force Awakens, J.J. Abrams is kind of the guy who is the sequel fixer-upper guy. He's the guy who kickstarts your engine to make sure it works. Yes. You know, but then Brian Johnson is the guy who did Brick, which is a movie that's sort of like a 1940s drama yeah. set within a high school, which yeah. is really different. No noir film. Yeah, yeah, very kind of Humphrey Bogart-ish. Right. You know, in his dialogue. I'm, I'm a big fan of Brick, by the way. Yeah, Brick's a good movie. Yeah. And uh, he also did Looper, which is... I'm also a big fan of Looper. Yeah, it was... Uh, I, I thought it, was, it dragged on with a whole, like, second half where they're, like, in a little farmhouse. Yeah. But... Uh, that was a movie that was also very outside the box. Very, uh, It was a movie that was essentially a spy versus spy thriller where the spy is his own future self. Right. And they're fighting it. It's like very different kind of movies, you yeah. know? And, you know, Abrams is the guy who did the Mission Impossible reboot, the Star Trek reboot, and yeah. Star Wars. And I think, I'm hoping that Johnson is going to make the film that's going to be different, you know? Yeah. Abrams got the gear of the car where we need it to be he's driving straight 
Now we need Johnson to take it in another direction. Yeah. We don't need the Empire Strikes Back 2.0. We don't need for we don't need to have like Finn go to some city like planet with Poe and then get stabbed in the back and right. Ray gets impatient with Luke while training and then she has to go save Finn or something and right. then she has some sort of fight with Snoke in the end that's reflective of the uh, fight with Darth Vader and then he tempts her to the dark side and there's some right, sort of plot twist. Some, somebody like, frozen in carbonite. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I agree with that. I, I just, I do think though, you know, sort of what I wanted to talk to you about was I actually, outside of the prequels, right, yeah. I find Star Wars movies to be really hard to get wrong. Like, yeah. I, 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 like I'm often... Hmm. baffled at how shitty episodes one, two, and three are. Yeah. Because, like, when I look at Rogue One, I'm just like, it's not that hard to, like, make, you know what I mean? Again, I know these movies are hard to make, but I, I think, like, you just yeah. got to make sure that, like, the action's there and that the adventure is fun for And we us. like the characters. Yeah. That's why The Force Awakens worked, and, like, nobody right. touches on that. Right. They're all like, well, you know, is it a copy of A New Hope and all that? And I totally get that. That's yeah. totally legit. Like, yeah. I think since... It took like 32 years since Return of the Jedi for a sequel trilogy to come out, and then the best they could do was a fucking soft reboot that was a copy of A New Hope. Right. I totally understand yes, that frustration. That, that argument is very valid. You know, but at the same time, uh, the character you I liked the characters. Like although uh, Ray was a Mary Sue, you know, although she was like good at fucking everything. Yeah. She was still you believed what she was feeling because of Daisy Ridley's performance, you know? Right. She could actually produce tears, unlike Natalie Portman yeah. in that movie. Like, I'm not saying Natalie <laughs> Portman's a bad actress and can't cry, but in the prequels, like, when uh, the Jedi Temple is, like, on fire, and then she's like, ha, 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 she's crying. It was so fucking fake. Yeah. <laughs> but that's because, like, George Lucas couldn't direct his actors. Right. And also, she just played, like, a helpless victim in that and film. And she had to say the word youngling. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, oh, God. It's so bad. And every, and every scene that they shot was just, like, A camera, B camera. Right. Like, just flat, boring shots that was kind of reflective of sort of how a Saturday night serial would be shot. Right. But then, like, it just got stale by the time you yeah, know, 2002 th- rolls along. Yeah, like we, we've talked about this. I think there's way more depth to Force Awakens than people give it credit for. Yeah. And I think with Rogue One, there didn't have to be that much depth. Like, yeah. I think like people wanted depth with the characters. I get it. But in yeah. terms of just like the story that they were telling, yeah. it's very much a filling story into the series. Yeah. You know, and you can call that fan service. You can call that, the, you know, Disney just wanting to add more money to their enormous pile that they have. Which they do, but Which I mean, do. you know. But, like, at the same time, like, what we're getting is, you know, a chance to go back out into the Star Wars universe and have a little bit fun and see some different things that we've never seen before. And I think this right. movie does that. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> because, I mean, again, the, you know, uh, Rogue One, I think, after uh, Force Awakens, when we got everything that was very familiar, maybe a little too familiar. Yeah. It still kind of got everyone back in the Star Wars mood. Yeah. You know, um, in a very general sense. And then with uh, uh, Rogue One, they were like, okay, we gave you the uh, story you wanted. You know, we, we kind of gave you this Star Wars film. Now I bet you want something a little different. Yeah. And they gave us that. Yeah. It was different, but not being too different. You right. Know? It was still essentially what the old original trilogies were. Yeah. And that was fun to see. You know, it was fun to see a Star Wars film where the uh, uh, where it's very dark. Uh, Rogue One is a surprisingly dark film. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I guess if you see the trailers, that's exactly what you're going to get. Yeah. It's just like, you know, things are not going to be great. They're not going to get a medal in the end. <laughs> you know, you're. It's not going to be that way. It's going to be a victory received, but a victory with sacrifice. Yeah, I mean, and I, there's a sequence in Rogue One that I think is actually one of the cooler parts. Yeah. You know, in Star Wars movies, mm-hmm. where we're actually seeing the destruction from the Death Star inside a planet, inside the planet, like yeah. on the ground. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that is like pretty. But it wasn't at maximum power, because when they blew those planets up, like, it didn't blow up the whole planet. Yeah. I was like, hmm, are they not using maximum power, and that's why? Because, like, when they blew up the, the one planet in uh, 
uh, New Hope. I don't want to call it New Hope. I'll call it Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, they. Uh, uh, they were. They were at ludicrous speed. Yeah. They. They <laughs> like blew that fucker up in two seconds. The whole thing. Right. You know, this one it was slowly crumbling. Yeah. Well, having said all that, I think we can get into spoilers. Yes. A little bit. Yeah. Let's do it. So right now we are at forty seconds or forty minutes. All right. So at the forty-minute mark, here we go. Spoiler corner. Okay, so I keep saying sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. If you don't know what I mean by that, everybody dies. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Everybody fucking dies, and I love that. Yes! Which is like, I mean, it's really the most surprising thing about the movie. You just have a moment where you're just like, oh, shit. They're gonna kill everybody in this I was, thing. I was, I was, I kept thinking like, I will like this movie if everybody dies. No, I, I, I totally agree. Like that's what I kept saying to myself. Like I wasn't saying it because I'm an evil bastard, but because like I was just like, you'd really get the sense of sacrifice that these people have to make, yeah, to get the plans to the Death Star, to actually see why it's important, to get a real sense of what these characters are gonna put themselves through. Right. And that's why it was so cool to see. Because, like, in every movie, everybody's okay. But here's a movie where we don't know the characters. And we don't know what's going to happen to them. You know? Yeah. And then, like, when you see Jin holding Diego out in the middle of the sea. And there's that, and they're hugging each other. And you see that big, like, mushroom, mushroom cloud. cloud yeah. yeah, coming right towards them. It's like, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. You know? I, and, and then you got the one guy who was sort of the old wise samurai who's very much, like, a direct derivation of, like, a Kurosawa character. It was a direct derivation, I think, of one of the characters in Seven Samurai who, I who was too. blind, yeah. right? Yeah, you're correct. Yeah. I think you're right about that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, like... And he sacrifices himself, and you know he's going to, and you're like, oh... And that's sort of, like, it's, like, where, uh, you know, it's made by Marvel, but, like, the Star Wars movies are sort of also doing a little bit of an anti-Marvel thing by yeah. killing a lot of their characters. It's like, yeah. I feel like nobody in Marvel ever dies. Like, No, they're not going to do that. They're, they're not, not going to kill Captain America on an explosion. You yeah, know? exactly. So like, They'll make you think he's dead in an explosion, but that'll come back later. Yeah, Marvel, but, but Rogue One really sort of picks it up for you here where it's just like, uh, you know... You do start to care about a lot of these characters, especially K2SO, you know. The yeah. Guy. But, like, then you, like, see that, them die and you're just like, dude, what the fuck? No, like, I like that. Yeah, you're just like, god damn. And then that, again, that adds to the gravity of it all. Yeah. You know, it really makes you feel sort of the weight of the responsibility that all these, like, people had. Right. And them bonding together as one cohesive unit to achieve their goal. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it makes it really badass. It's kind of insane. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised how much I felt for the droid when he died. <laughs> I know, me too. You know, me I was too. like, wow, I feel more for him when he died than some of the human characters. Like, when Forrest Whitaker died, like, first off, his, his character was kind of pointless in the movie. Yeah. Like, I don't know why he was there other than to, like, keep uh, Felicity Jones hidden for, like, some time. Yeah, he's sort of, like, the mysterious, like, anti-rebellion, anti-government leader. Yeah. You know? Who has um, a breathing problem. Yeah, who has a breathing problem. Save the rebellion! Save the dream! <laughs> Such a <laughs> dumb line. <laughs> and, his, and his oxygen gas mask or whatever. He's yeah, like, I thought he was going to turn, like, Darth Vader or some shit. Yeah. Apparently, like... Respiratory. Star Wars thinks that people with respiratory problems are bad or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I I didn't hate his character. I yeah, just I just thought like he was... Eh, he, you know. Yeah, yeah. he's just like, eh. It's just another example of how a, a lot of these characters were a little bit too undercooked. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I was... I was happy to see a lot of these characters die. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think, like, that's sort of, like, the what makes the, the complaint about the characters not being developed enough okay. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think you can complain too much at the end because these, these characters aren't going to be around for a while. And it's, yeah. the, and it's the goal that matters more than the mission. Right, you know? right, right, exactly. Because yeah. it was like, it would, the, the goal is, is to destroy the Death Star and to, you yeah. know, bring uh, some peace in the universe and ensure that the Empire doesn't kill everyone. Right. But then, you know what? 
you know, you had to see what these guys sacrificed in order to go through it. I said that already. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. But I'm, I'm, but, I'm with you on that. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's very important. Um, and I think it's why this thing works. I, I, I don't buy the complaint from people in a lot of ways about about the movie being boring at times. I felt like this thing really moved at a very quick pace. Yeah. And, and just was like really thoroughly entertaining. I don't think it was boring at times. I just like at times I just didn't really like. Uh, I don't know, care about some parts. Like, we're cutting to this planet, and this is happening. Oh, one thing I really loved is that they put in uh, Bail Organa. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, Jimmy Smith's. Like, again, that was another prequel callback where they're like, hey, guys, we don't hate the prequels. Like, here you go. Here's Bail. Yeah. Here's Mustafar. Well, know? and I think his character, his character does matter in a lot of senses. You know, I mean, he's sort of like the stepfather of Leia. And yeah. He, you know, he has an integral part of, what the rebellion's yeah. doing? You ready? <laughs> yeah. I I I got past like the defenses and was able to destroy the star Destroyer. Oh, you're gonna go on the last level? Yeah. What the hell? You're going after the second Death Star? Give it a shot. Yeah. Um. So let's get into since we're since we're talking more spoilers. Yeah. Let's talk characters being brought back from the dead. Yes. Oh, why didn't I bring that up? I knew that was in the back of my head. <laughs> Peter Cushing, CGI. Here we go. Here we go. Um, so, Peter Cushing. What did you think of that CG of him? Well, I thought it was pretty remarkable when yeah. I first saw it. Everybody was like, oh, it looks so fake. I'm like, it was uncanny to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's obviously not him. So Was it? Yeah, Like, right? I was looking between him and the other old guy talking to him in one scene, and I'm just like... I can't tell who's real or not. Like, they both look real. Right. Well, and because, like... Oh, you got to defend the Falcon. They're going to shoot him. Where is he? He's right there. There's a TIE Fighters. They're going to kill Lando. Why am I not shooting? Lando. Lando! <laughs> what have I just done? <laughs> Go there. You see the radar? Yeah. Oh, I died. Dude, I'm terrible Shit. at this. That's all right. You'll get um, it. But, yeah. Maybe you should go on, like, the first level. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Um, but yeah, like, dude, that whole part is just, it was shocking at first. Yeah. It was, you know, it is a little bit off-putting. It looks a little bit rubbery. I get people's, hmm. like, complaints about that. Okay. But I've never seen a movie do that before. Well, I've never really as well, like, because Tron that. Legacy did that with, uh, correct. young Jeff Bridges. Correct. But it looked kind of. That looked kind of rubbery, right? Yes. That looked a little fake. But, like, Peter Cushing? It looked real. And then there was the uh, reveal of uh, bleep in the end. Yes. And that was, like, that that looked a little fake to me, actually. But yeah, well, you can you can tell them who it was. Yeah. You can tell them who it was. I mean, I I felt like it looked good. And I, I've seen other yeah. other movies do it before. Um, what Gladiator did it with Oliver Reed. When he had passed away, oh, they did. Yeah, he passed away midway through the filming of it, and there was like, there's at least one scene where Oliver Reed's uh, face was like superimposed huh. onto his body for one more scene. Huh, okay. um, did he speak? He uh, he did, but it was footage that they had already shot. Ah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but um, what am I doing here? Sorry. Um, but yeah. So I mean, like. You know, for some people, they probably were just sort of, like, shocked that somebody from the dead could <laughs> be brought back yeah. and made a character. Because I think in a lot of ways, it, you know, takes away from what acting is. Yeah. You know? And, like, what actual living, breathing human beings can do. And I think maybe that's scary to some people. You know, that's what I'm glad you bring that up. I felt like in a very odd way, <laughs> this is what George Lucas always wanted to do. Like, right. you know, because like he always views actors sort of as, you know, tools. Right. You know, like he cares more about special effects and all that. He's very much a director that likes his style and yes. is well known for his style. Like THX 1138, American Graffiti and Star Wars are vastly different films, you know? Yeah. You would think they came from a different director outside of the fact that uh, George Lucas really likes to use a wide depth of field right. in his films. Right. Um, but, like, I think that, you know, he's much more into the technicalities of the picture, and he's not as much into the 
performance of the actors. So when he made something like Jar Jar, which we all know how that turned out. <laughs> right. Uh, that was more or less uh, like him trying to see if like maybe one day, because they've been talking about this for a while, if they can replace actors. Right. And, you know, with computers. And when I saw something like Peter Cushing, I'm like, oh, my God, maybe one day they can. Maybe you could just com- program the computer to say the line the way you want that actor to say it. Right. Or, like, of course, the computer's not going to feel what a human does or what a human can give you to a performance that you could never predict. Yeah. You know, and that's why there will always be actors. And, of course, I don't think you're going to have millionaire actors um, and movie stars who people will want to not see anymore in favor of, you know, right. CG characters. But it is scary when you see that. And that, that was kind of thought in the back of my head, like, wow. If they can make Peter Cushing look so real and, spoiler, cover your ears, <laughs> Carrie or Fisher. Stop, or stop listening. Yeah, yeah Carrie Fisher, uh, who's at the last shot of the film, as her younger self looked real. Because yeah. now her face is more rubbery than the CGI character. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you I... You don't know what you're shooting. <laughs> no. I'm just flying around. That's all that matters. Oh, there we go. TIE Fighters. Remember to use your targeting computer. There you go. But yeah, I like that. That that is kind of that is kind of scary. It's like, wow, like wh- what's gonna happen years from now? Are we gonna have some like movie after movie with dead actors in it? <laughs> yeah, they're gonna bring like Marlon Brando back for The Godfather or something. The Godfather Part Four. No oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just I really was like, like what the fuck when he first arrived on screen? Yeah, like, like I didn't know he was gonna be in it. I didn't, I didn't know either. Tarkin was like someone said it to me in the last podcast, but I thought they said uh, uh, somebody else, and then I, yeah, and then I I remember like I saw that reflection shot. It was like a long shot from the back of his head, you know, and then his face reflects in the glass of the uh, star destroyer. Yep, and then you're like. Is that Tarkin? Like, there's no way they're going to, like, make him talk or anything. And then he does. And you're like, okay, that was a cool cameo. And then he's in, like, five or six scenes (laughs) in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, no, that really did work for me. I mean, that that is just something that, like, I I had never seen before. Yeah. I get the complaints from people about him, you know, him clearly looking CGI'd and and looking like he's a robot. But... You yeah. got to admit, man, like we haven't seen a lot of movies that have done something like that and yeah. made it actually still work within the story of the film. Yeah, I mean that's just kind of like that's brand new to me. Yeah, it was. It, it, you know, he like he he was the guy who was overseeing the Death Star and all that. I always wondered, did he have authority over Vader because he was telling him what to do? But like in general, did he have authority over him? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't. Why think would so? he? <laughs> I don't think so. After like the prequels, made Vader into like space Jesus. Yeah, he just seemed like a he, j- but he always just seemed like a a general who was confident. You know, yeah, he's kind of like the Goebbels to Hitler. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Except right. I don't know if Goebbels would ever tell Hitler what to do. Right, exactly. But at least like he was never, you know, um, he wasn't a pussy about yeah. like his about his job the way sort of you felt about like. Ben Mendelsohn's character. Yeah, he's just like, don't hurt me. Yeah, exactly. Did you notice that James Earl Jones kind of sounds older now? Like, in that film, like, when he was talking, it seemed like they wheeled him in, you know, (laughs) into the recording booth. He's like, I I don't want you to joke on your own words. I'm Darth Vader. I'm like, oh. Yeah, there were some parts that were not exactly clear. Like, it was weird that I I believed in dead Peter Cushing more than I believed in a live old James Earl Jones voice. <laughs> right. Yeah, but, I, but again, it was pretty cool to see Darth Vader coming back. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, my God, yeah. And, it was, yeah, it was nice. That, I mean, and I'm sure, well, I always thought a great idea for a spinoff film, and someone's going to take this idea now that I mentioned it. Yeah. Was, like, what if there was, like, a film that took place in between episode three and uh, episode four, where you kind of see, like, Darth Vader f- starting to form the Empire. Right. You know, and, like, the real building of it. Yeah. And maybe, like, him on the search for, like, 
his missing child, and we never knew that he was actually searching for his missing son. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. That'd be very cool. Right? Yeah. That, right. That's probably something that... I'm patenting uh, that. I'm yeah. Getting, I'm, I gotta call the copyright office you, right now. Yeah, you better get working on that script. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, you know, again, I... I don't buy a lot of the complaints from a lot of people for Rogue One on a lot of different levels. I think overall it's been good reception. I don't know. Yeah. But right now it just came out, so we're still sort of getting the overall atmosphere of what people are saying. Because I remember when Force Awakens first came out, like everybody was like, oh, it's amazing. And then they were like, it fucking sucks. It's a rip off of New Hope. And then it was mostly like, yeah, it was New Hope, but it was still good, you know? Yeah, there's just there's so much potential now. Yeah. With, with this Star Wars universe that they've started now, with Force Awakens and Rogue One, I think that we're going to be rewarded pleasantly for the last two films. Yeah. I really do think that. You think that Episode Eight's gonna do something different? And yeah. It's gonna be like, I don't know, like because I I really want to see what because some of the things I read that were leaks. Yeah. One of which I'm just going to say, because it's so ridiculous, it can't be true. Yeah. Is that when Ray's training on the island with Luke, Okay. you know, they talk about her, you find out, like, why she was abandoned on Jakku and yeah. what happened with her family. And uh, she turns to uh, Darth Vader and she says, how could you abandon me? You were my father. And then Luke says to her, no. You're my father. Uh, and then you find out she's actually the reincarnation of Anakin Skywalker. What? Yeah. I don't think through that the, would happen. Through, like, the force, like, metaphysically creates her to be that. I'm like, that's stupid. Yeah. They wouldn't do that. Yeah, I don't think they're going to do that. I mean, I think, like, common sense or whatever theory you could come up with is that she's like the daughter of Luke. Yeah. In some way, shape, or form. Right. Um, but who knows? You yeah. Know, who but knows not the that? reincarnation of his father. No, that I don't think would ever happen. Yeah. I mean, who knows like how many of these leaks are true or not. I think like what uh, Mark Hamill said is they literally get the script and then they just throw them into a shredder like immediately after you read it. Like, there's only physical copies. There's not going to be a digital copy. There yeah. might be one on someone's computer, and I don't know how anyone could hack into it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They no, so, I mean, I'm I'm pretty excited. I, you know, I, I take away from Rogue One. Uh, I think you just kind of leave it at the door when it's all said and done. And yeah. And enjoy yourself as you're, as you're there in the theater. Yeah. And then walking out. You know, you're going to be happy after you saw it. Yeah, it's a pleasantly, surprisingly dark film that really is about, like, like I never thought I'd care about get the people getting the plans to the Death Star. But I did, I don't know, if you had to rank this among Star Wars films, where would you rank it? I I actually did a little bit of my ranking last night. Ah, okay. Uh, and um, I've put it after um, Force Awakens. Ah, okay. So that's pretty high. Yeah. So I've got like Empire number one. Yeah. Uh, A New Hope number two. Yeah. Force Awakens number three. Yeah. Uh, Rogue One number four, and then yeah, Jedi Return of the Jedi number five, and then oh and wow, then of course, and then of course the prequels. Like, yeah. Whatever. Those don't. Those are at the. Bottom. <laughs> Just, those whatever. are at the bottom, and they don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I like to pretend they didn't happen. Yeah, I know. Um, but um, yeah, I like to pretend that they they didn't happen. But I yeah, but I rank it pretty high, and I think it's one of I think Rogue One's one of those movies that with like second and third viewings, yeah, you'll like it even more. That's what I'm thinking. Like I really appreciated what they did with it. Like at first, I was getting like kind of turned off because they're like having title cards or individual planets, and I'm like, oh, that's so cheap. Yeah, you know. But then as the movie went on, I was into it. You know. Yeah. Oh shit! No good. I would. There's. I mean, there's like. Again, there's just really a lot of like interesting and like sort of tense sequences. Like, oh yeah. When, when Jin goes to sort of confront her father on that on that planet on that remote. Yeah. Air, when area. she runs into a hologram of him. Yeah. Oh wait, she does. She does actually find him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, that's what I was gonna say. The scene where you know she's sort of looking at him from afar, and and uh, Cassian Andor is. You know, got a sniper rifle pointed at. Yeah. Him. I mean, that's like, 
that's pretty intense. Stuff. We've never seen that in Star Wars before, where someone's like, "Are you going to take the shot?" And like, you know, and that's a great thing with Star Wars is like they haven't done so many things, you know, because like Star Wars always had like a very strict sort of guideline. I said, "This is how you make a Star Wars movie," you know, right? Like you can't have stylish shots, you can't have this, you can't have that, and then now because Disney owns it and people want to see different shit, they can have that, you know? They're essentially building a new expanded universe while, yes, tossing out the old one, which, I don't know, what do you think of them tossing out the expanded universe? Um, I don't think it's that bad of a thing. Yeah, me neither. I I think, like, they need to sort of just stay on a path. Yeah. And because I don't think a lot of fans follow, you know the books or, you know, comic books that they might yeah. have read. And, and I don't even think George Lucas knows about it. And it was just kind of like, you know, you're limiting them if you just have, oh, fuck. Now you died. I was so close to the core. Yeah. God damn it, I have to beat this now. I I, yeah, I think you're right. They're, you're, I felt like in the prequels, right? I yeah. Mean, we talked about this. I, I often felt like George Lucas was making shit up as he went along. Yeah, it's like, oh, I thought of these movies way ahead of time. Right, that's why Leia made out with Luke. and Yeah. That's why there was originally, like, actually a love triangle between Han, Luke, and Leia and Jedi. Right. And that's why, like, if you literally see, have you ever seen the uh, documentary that was, like, fly on the wall... Um, sort of observatory footage of just raw footage of uh, the making of episode one. No, I haven't seen it. It's that. like you could just tell on that uh, DVD. Like, it's also on YouTube. You can find it. Yeah. I think it's called The Beginning, The Making of Episode One. Yeah. Like, George Lucas just sits down with a notepad and he's like, okay, now I need to come up with an idea. <laughs> like, you, and you're just like, yeah, that's pretty much how I imagine he make it. Yeah. Well, I mean. He just wrote one draft. Nobody challenged him because he'd fire you on the spot if you did. Yeah. And he essentially, I mean, he, he for some reason, changed the entire theory that people had about what the force actually Metaclorians. was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, and, and you can tell with this recent, with Rogue One, I mean, they've got that character, the blind character, who sort of believes in the force and believes it as this, like... Religion. Religion. Yeah. Generating power or, gener- you know, something. As long as he had confidence in the force, he would be okay. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and I think, like, that's, again... Continue, you know, Kathleen Kennedy continuing to set things right. Yeah, you know, and say to herself, like, "Hey, Middle Chlorians is not the, the yeah." <laughs> like, I really wonder what happened in those back room. Because did you ever see his interview with Charlie Rose where he called Disney white slavers? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, like, did you see the whole interview or what he said? Like, it's a retro film and this and that. And yeah. I, you know, but like the funny thing is, is like, uh, I really wonder what happened in those. In those uh, meetings. meetings, yeah, where words, um, uh, where like George Lucas just didn't like, uh, like, what did they say to him or what happened? Where they did they just basically say, well, you know, well, no, he said they wanted to make a film for the fans, right? And then what he was offering was not for the fans, and yeah, they just told him like, thanks for your money, yeah, get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank God. Yeah. I mean, thank God they did that. I don't know. I, I mean, I wouldn't go that far. I think, again, <laughs> the prequels actually had great ideas. It's just the way he executed them weren't that great. Right. And I would have loved to have seen what Michael Arndt would have done with that screenplay if they allowed him the two years to write the script instead of just kicking him out the door. Right. You know, and then getting Lawrence Castain and J.J. Abrams only six months to write the film. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, like, those prequel, the dialogue in those prequels is wooden and shitty. Yeah, it's just wooden but, and shitty. And but it's, it's like the ideas were great. It's just the execution was shit, you know. And I would have loved to have seen what his ideas were for these new films. Uh, I mean, there was one rumor that they were going to be teenagers. Obviously, you didn't want that. Yeah. But I guess I understand why he's upset. But I really wonder what happened in those meetings where he, like, would go as far as to call them white slavers publicly, yeah. <laughs> you know, on television. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty intense stuff. Yeah. He's not, uh, you know. He always seemed like a grouch. Yeah, <laughs> he seems pretty bitter about it in the end. Yeah. He's he un- compared unlike, it to a divorce. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, it's, it's, and business is difficult, you know. Um, I think, you know, these new movies are, 
yes, they're for the fans, but I think also, too, you know, Kathleen Kennedy, people at Disney, they tend to know what they're doing. Oh, yeah. Disney, I mean, what franchises they fucked up so far? You got to admit, the, the Avengers franchise, in terms of franchise, is one of the best fucking franchises ever. Right. Because they, like, barely made ever any shitty movies. Yeah. Look at uh, Sony, on the other hand. Right. They suck. <laughs> They've had to, like, sell Spider-Man back to Disney just so that they can get it right. Yeah, it's literally called Spider-Man Homecoming, as in, we got this shit back, bitches, you know? (laughs) Right. Oh, Oh, yes. Oh. This would be a good note to go out on. Yes, it would be. Yeah, so, I mean, ultimately... Let's not end this on a 2016 note. Right. (laughs) Ultimately, again, it's Rogue One is entertaining and entertainment is usually what we want out of our star wars films yeah and i think in you know and it's also kind of deep for a star wars movie yeah and i think in terms of deeper characters you're not going to get that out of this you're going to get that out of you know the force awakens you're going to get that out of episode seven and more more episode seven and eight because that's like i mean even the original star wars you know they weren't that deep right it wasn't until like until Empire and, and Jedi. Yeah, Jedi. Like, that's one. I mean, that whole one line, no, I am your father, is what created this whole right. uh, prequel and all that stuff. You yeah, know? and mm-hmm. I think it comes down to the fact that, you know, we love these characters. We love to see these movies. And I really don't think they're too hard to screw up for us. We just want to make sure we enjoy going back out into the Star Wars universe. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you know that it, it, they're enjoyable films. We like them, and we care for the characters. And uh, you know, we we care to see what's gonna happen. I mean, I even cared for the villains, and yeah. and I cared for the uh, like. I actually gave a shit about how they got the plans of the Death Star. And I'm like, oh wow, I didn't know it was. Which was a very that was such a thing <laughs> yeah which was a very pre- like that was like a really cool sequence i felt like yeah where they're like sort of trying to beat the clock and they're trapped in these this room and <laughs> oh yes and fighting to sort of get it uh they had to shoot when she had to jump onto that like data center and, yeah and she had to <laughs> climb yeah yeah I mean, it made a, it made the characters get a little physical it you know put them in death deathly situations the yeah. whole way there's a real personality to them all yeah we're gonna make it we're gonna make it there you go yet yeah oh what a way to get it done Woo! <laughs> with one life left see but it doesn't matter because they make star killer base <laughs> yes yeah it doesn't matter because it will be in the force awakens next Ah, uh, wow we did it yeah that's a good note to go out on. That is the way to get it done. <laughs> is there anything else you want to say about uh, Star Wars Rogue One? No, I think you know. I think fans should just go. See, you know, not too much more to add. I just think fans. Oh, should. look at that prequel shit. There you go. Uh, I think fans should give it a shot. You know, I think a lot of people will be a lot more entertained than they're expecting. And um, you know, it, I think these Star Wars movies—they're continuing to do a good job of of uh, set setting our expectations high and, and achieving that goal and i'm excited to see what episode eight is going to bring yeah i am too i'm excited but they need to fire colin trevorrow yes please go away colin trevorrow <laughs> you suck ass <laughs> on that note fuck colin trevorrow <laughs> yeah. hopefully god bless ryan johnson uh thank you gareth edwards for giving us a good enjoyable strong film and we will see you next time again i want to thank uh Leo Brady, who really essentially acted as the host today, but <laughs> uh, Leo Brady from MovieGuy.com. You can catch, catch all of his material there. I'm Mike Crowley. This has been Rogue Squadron, Rogue Leader, Rogue Squadron 2, and we will see you next time, and you'll probably not agree. Goodbye. See you guys.